When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you frustrated and confused about how to attract new clients? Nothing you have done is working and you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Imagine learning the tips and tools that will help you get noticed and booked by your ideal client and paid what you're worth for your amazing services. Now's the time to make your dream a reality and the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hi everyone, welcome back to another show. This is episode 167. Now according to BCG Research Report in July of this year, 96% of US consumers said that they trust brands that use content to inform them, help them meet a need or that provided useful information without trying to sell them something. And this year's Census Social Media Report found that while almost 50% of consumers now access social media every single day, only 31% of small business enterprises are actively operating a social media engagement strategy. Now, if you're not actively leveraging a social media engagement strategy, or maybe you do have a current strategy, but it's not generating the results that you want, well, if that sounds like you, this show is for you. And joining me today is Simon Mosman, and he's formerly a journalist, but now he's leveraging his wealth of knowledge to help business professionals, companies, and organizations to amplify their market influence through mainstream stream, digital and social media. And today on the show, Simon's going to help us understand the number one must-do tactic to put our marketing and our media communications on the right track for success. He's also going to be sharing six tips to leverage the news cycle so we can build influential exposure for our businesses as well as the one skill that we need to succeed in doing media to build our business credibility in the marketplace. So welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thanks for having me. I know this topic is one that so many businesses, small businesses, even solopreneurs, while they dip their toe into the pool of, of social media and other technologies that are at our fingertips, they really don't understand it or they're not leveraging it to the best of their ability or unfortunately, in some instances, they're not using it properly at all and therefore kind of tarnishing their brand. So it's great to have you on the show. So talking about the number one must-to tactic to put our media and marketing communications on the right tracks to success, what is that? Very simply, It's getting to know who's who in your zoo, getting to know who's who in your world, who Mm. your target markets are, who your audiences are, your customers and your stakeholders. So, Mm -hmm. of course, those that you are trying to reach through one piece of content or communication channel or another, they won't obviously always be your customers. Mm. But it is, this is a communications principle. Certainly, it's probably the number one communications principle. But, of course, it also does range across other business principles when it comes to just business planning. Who are our audiences, who are we trying to reach, uh, why, what for, with what, how can we be helping them? And 
it really comes down to just doing that proper audience audit, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Other marketers will, you know, they'll use phrases like your buyer persona, your customer persona. It's all of that. All of the same. Um, but of course, it's not just the buyers. It can be stakeholders. So, for example, there will be businesses, big and small, and those in the middle, who uh, may need to interact with their industry association. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be others that have to do some level of government engagement. And that may be ministerial or departmental. That may be at the federal, the state, or even the local council level. Mm-hmm. And so before you go to those people at that moment in time with whatever you're looking to do, you just need to understand that it really is helpful. It really must be the first step you do to understand who you're going to talk to. You know, that's a very wise advice. And I know sometimes when I'm speaking to listeners or even colleagues, out in the industry, whilst they know they need to do that, one of the things they struggle with is, yeah, I know I need to know more, learn as much as I can about my potential client and stakeholders, but it's something that they don't do because they don't really know the right steps to do that. Do you want to just share some tips that you might share with your clients of how they can start to go out and research and get gather this kind of information? Yeah, delighted to. Thanks. So, I personally use one of my own tools to map my audiences and I'm just calling it up again right now because for me it is, it's the number one step. I don't do anything else before I've done this particular step. Mm. So with my audience audit template, what am I trying to understand? Well, it depends who I'm talking to at that moment in time. Am I looking to talk to customers? Am I looking to talk to staff? Am I a supply chain business? Do I need to talk to distributors? Are there import export connections? So again, straight away, you should start to understand what those, that counterpart is, where they operate, what sort of industry or sector or line of work they're in. Mm-hmm. And then we can start to drill down a bit from there. Now, I tend to just start with the simple basics. I try and put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Now, that may be me thinking, okay, am I a baby boomer business owner? I have 10 years business left hoping to retire. I'm hoping my business won't retire with me and that it will pay me a nice generous superannuation for the rest of my life Mm. okay so we're looking at somebody who may be sort of you know the wrong side or the north side of 50 plus demographics male female what line of work are they in what are their known or assumed interest and issues so is it that retirement age income that they're looking to do is it how to actually pass the business on Mm -hmm. so do they need to go to you know an employee share owner plan do they need to you know are they a big enough concern and viable enough to you know float on the the securities exchange yes so it's running through a whole bunch of questions and i really do believe that you can never have too much information or detail you don't have to spend hours days weeks and months fussing and getting flustered over this but certainly when i uh, when i was a journalist in uh, my previous life, we could never have too much information. Mm. And I would imagine... Also, you, yeah, you, the skill you, is also in whittling it down to yeah. what you then do need. And what you've just said there, I mean, you've got a document that you pulled up. So whilst you may be doing research and you hear things or you read comments or you hear comments, you make a note in that document that, you know, provides you then with that profile. One of the things that I love to do is on various forums and sometimes even on Facebook or LinkedIn, when I'm reading an article, which I think is very relevant to my ideal clients and the struggles, 
the comments that people share are priceless because the words that they use and say, yes, you know, I've struggled with this and, and blah, blah. Now that blah, 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 those words and what we need to be mindful of and to put down in this profile that we're creating because, you know, the more that you understand the language, what they're experiencing, then, of course, the media and marketing communications that we put together are going to speak directly to the needs and obviously the solutions that our ideal client is looking for. And it's one of those things that I would imagine you can continue to build and grow. And once you're in perhaps a group of your ideal clients, take the opportunity and be curious, ask them, you know, I'd love to find out when you're, what are you struggling with? It really is making that, yeah, making that a commitment to get out there and get that content. Let's dive in to some of these six tips. Cannot wait to find out what they are. So these Six tips help us leverage the news cycle so that we can build influence and exposure or influential exposure for our business. What's the first tip? First tip, what's the strong story idea? In fact, the first tip is preceded by, again, making sure you've got your audience audit. So let's make that assumption. We've done that, uh, that due process there. Your first tip, have a strong story idea. Mm-hmm. What are you looking to communicate? It's one thing having a new product or a new version or a beta or a new app. That's fantastic. But that in itself is not necessarily the story. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and taking one quick step back again, there are two types of audience audits to have to have done here. Uh, one, uh, who's the media you're looking to interact with? And secondly, who are their readers? Because their readers are really your true customer base or stakeholder base at that moment in time. The media is just a recording tool. It's just a conduit to your true audience. Mm-hmm. So you do need to understand those two things, first of all. Taking number one, the journalists what is going to be a typical story that they may go for? What is that strong story idea that you have in your business? So if it's a new product, a new app, a new line of flowers or or dresses, whatever it may be, well, that's all well and good. But what, again, are the benefits for the end user, for their readers or their listeners or viewers, who, again, really are a part of your target markets? Yeah, I love the way that you've said that because how many entrepreneurs and business owners, we are so excited about our products, <laughs> yet a journalist, you know, kind of saying, yeah, I've got this great new app and blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like, well, you know, that's not really going to hit the news. So, And I've heard exactly. also too, when you understand who the reader is or if it's, you know, obviously listeners, if it's on radio, once we understand those benefits and position and you may talk about this in a moment that if it's going to be helpful if it's really going to be life changing or solve a problem or something like that or even if you've got a human interest story that someone's used your product or service and it's you know made a remarkable difference that's the kind of angle and story that journalists and media are really interested in yes absolutely absolutely now you could take this and dream large here, you know, think blue sky. Uh, maybe you are a pharmaceutical concern or a business and you're looking to find that next cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. Noble goal to start with straight away. But how many other businesses are out there doing the same? So there will be a need to stop and think, okay, well, what's the angle of my idea? What's our version of this? And I should probably make the comment as well that we are surrounded by and we're probably all feeling overwhelmed by the digital white noise that's out there of the internet. There's too much content. There's so much Mm. content. So for me, that actually creates, uh, supports the argument to take that extra time. Less is more in my world. It really, truly is these days. If you can take that extra time to properly create your content, properly research who you're talking to for that engagement, because it'll be a different audience next week or next month or next year. Also then take the, the 
some considered steps, some extra time to really think about, well, we are looking to find a cure for cancer, but what have we just achieved today? Mm-hmm. Was it a molecular breakthrough, whatever it may be? And perhaps I'm going a bit too corporate here for some listeners. I hope I don't lose anybody necessarily. <laughs> but it really is just really understanding what is unique about this, which mm-hmm. leads into the second tip quite smoothly. What are the key ingredients of a successful news story? Human controversy, emotion, if it's new, if it's exclusive, all these things resonate with journalists. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that just because you do have the newest product or newest idea or the best benefit in the world, or it's going to undermine everything that Apple ever did or whatever the controversy may be, that quickly won't be enough to think you're going to get all the newspapers or the trade press necessarily. Because at the heart of all of this, and if I keep referring back to this a few times on this show, it's about building relationships with the journalists. You know, Mm -hmm. it is media relations. It is public relations for good reason. So have a good idea. Understand what journalists will be looking for in the story as well. Uh, And then you're actually starting to get a real good feel for, okay, I have this in front of me. I know that I need to frame it this way. And then that is going to lead on to picking up the phone, talking to journalists. Mm -hmm. And I should also make the comment here as well, very, which I love, that the irony of the rush to digital and social marketing of the last 10 years, we do have all these tools and all these apps and Twitters and LinkedIn's and everything, and they're sensational. But the irony of that rush to digital and social marketing the last 10 years is that it has created a niche opportunity for publicity, for really credibility building editorial exposure with the mainstream media. The mainstream media may be publishing or printing fewer hard copy newspapers. Mm -hmm. TV may be being challenged by Netflix and YouTube and Vimeo and Periscope and all of the above, but they still exist. Channel 7 is online. Sunrise, a television breakfast show, is 24-7 on Facebook. Newspapers, The Age. So I'm in Melbourne here, but you know, you could go the... Seattle Intelligencer, wherever the newspaper might be, they may have stopped publishing a newspaper, but the newspaper is still online. A newspaper is simply an aggregation of information. What is the internet? What is that newspaper brand or masthead online? It's simply an aggregation of information. Mm -hmm. And the good news is there's a lot more space to fill. So Simon, you, ideas. you bring up a really good point there. So, you know, you spoke earlier about relationship building with journalists, and I think it's really important to stress that with journalists and with the media, it is a small world and it is about building relationships. So please, you know, start, continue and start off that relationship and continue that relationship building from a you know professional viewpoint, because if you happen to burn bridges with one journalist, that news spreads, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Mm. And so one way you can potentially burn a bridge with journalists is by trying to hit too many people at once, Mm -hmm. too many different journalists or media outlets at once. There there is that spray and pray thought. It does happen. It still happens today, sadly. I say there's huge merit in just starting with just one or maximum two journalists or media outlets. Just get a feel Mm -hmm. for those businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs that haven't really done this yet in terms of engaging with the media, looking to use the mainstream media as a viable marketing communication channel, just pick one or two journalists, build a relationship with them. Don't expect to marry them on a first date, Yes. to borrow that analogy. They still need to sort of get to know you. They still need to see what you're about. They still need to see, you know, what your ideas are. But that will lead to 
engagement mm-hmm. that with the right ideas with the right content of course with the right planning as well so you know you plan the work and you work the plan but it is relationships yeah um, i think so- that's key because you know again you know these journalists whilst we may not have seen them or met them face to face like at a networking event they are still people, you know, they still have to follow. We need to follow the same rate relationship building principles as we would with any other business professional or stakeholder that we're working with. Now, with the point that you talked about niche publicity with that additional exposure through, say, some of the online media, are we still then needing to contact the journalists and therefore we may get additional exposure through some of these online technologies that you are sharing or because of these online technologies such as Facebook and and so forth, these are other mediums where we can grow relationships with some of these journalists. Absolutely, absolutely. So in my world, and not to dilute the importance of social media, it is a fantastic opportunity. It is massive opportunity in terms of amplifying your influence. But keeping it simple and keeping it practical, keeping a cold, sober view of the plan that you have to do. For me, social media is just a tool. You don't do social, you be social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you really have to think, and this just comes back to there is a person there just on the other end of the phone. And right now they're probably far too busy to really take your call or take your follow-up call to the email you sent with the press release and the idea and the sample pack you did. However, you need to just find a way, first of all, of just getting them talking for a few minutes with no expectation of interview request, with no expectation of coverage or publicity or publishing in any form. Build the relationship, first of all. Identify who they are. I've actually two instances I'd love to quickly share, both journalists that I've never, ever met in person. One of them I have never even had a phone call with, but both of them delivered huge results for a couple of my clients. Uh, The first one was no less than Forbes. Personally, I was a little bit chuffed about this one. Mm, It was a single tweet pitching to a Forbes journalist with a very relevant, very related story idea that, added value to him in terms of a story he'd run the day before. Net result for my client was we got exposure. So a small, and this is for your international audience, this is a small geothermal energy agency based in South Yarra, which is a a suburb south of um, Melbourne CBD. Mm -hmm. They had partnered with Google, no less, on a particular geothermal mapping project. So yeah, good partnership, good credentials there, but small geothermal energy consultancy. I pitched the story just via Twitter, purely via Twitter to this Forbes journalist, a couple of days later, story is in Forbes for my client. Wow. Personally chuffed with that. For me, it proves a couple of things. One, A, the relationship building. Identify what the journalist wants. Have that right story idea or that right content, that strong content, whatever it may be. But also keep thinking about the relationship. You don't have to necessarily meet them. You just have to engage with them and mm-hmm. show that you respect them. You respect their time. You're not going to spam them. But you're also going to provide them with something with no expectation of return. Mm-hmm. But happily, if it is something that they can use they'll use it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Secondly, I suppose the other one as well was a more recent client, more domestic in Australia, a client that was getting, the client itself was not getting beaten up in the press, but certainly it's, it's industry that was getting a lot of negative coverage. So the first step was to just engage with those writers that were writing negative stuff or just being constantly critical and Media loves bad stuff. You know, rarely do you ever see good stuff. So it was always going to be, you know, a tough sell. But with a couple of journalists, one in particular, uh, we were able to just engage, engage, keep on the phone, keep providing help where we could when he called for comments or asking for an angle. 
I never met him, as I said, but did have several phone conversations with him. And the net result was we were gradually able to turn around some of the negative coverage uh, that we were being tainted by association with and start to get some positive, substantial messaging of our own in the press. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, as you shared that story, I remember years ago, and this is one of the reasons why I started my very own podcast back in 2008 was because the, you know, the mainstream media was so negative. That was back in the career space. And I thought, how on earth are we going to possibly inspire hope and possibility in people when all they're hearing is the doom and gloom of, you know, no jobs and it's on a global scale and we're doomed, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, you know what, we need to get a positive message out there. But in the instance that you've just described, that is just uh, so powerful. So Simon, we've talked about having a strong story idea, very important. Secondly, having key ingredients. What is the third tip? Third tip is what I like to think about is hijacking the news agenda. There is a term for a, that was coined by a gentleman in the United States called David Meerman Scott. He's a very famous marketer. Called, and he came up with this idea of newsjacking, hashtag newsjacking. Basically, it's inserting yourself in the daily news agenda. Now, you do need to be on the ball a bit more frequently. Those business owners that, that perhaps in their space, in their industry or sector, it's in the press every day or every other day, or there are lots of issues coming up, political, non-political, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about looking for your cues. And if there's something that you can say, hey, I've got a opinion on that it's a rapid fire rapid reaction statement on a media release template or something similar or better still pick up the phone to the journalist the journalist even begun to cultivate interviews with and just say hey my client rob or our managing director jenny has a particular view on that this is what it is can you use it that newspaper again 10 15 20 years ago and more it was a one-time you know once a day event the newspaper had been published you had to wait till the next day Today, newspapers are publishing every minute. Their deadline is every second. Their Mm -hmm. deadline is around the clock. So they can update stories pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. If you're the business owner, if you're the entrepreneur and you've got an idea, maybe it's you've got a new disruptive angle on entrepreneurship or maybe the next new app or social network. So Blab. For those that haven't heard Blab, I know you have, Amory. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic already. But this disruptive nature, get in there quickly. Get it on the phone to the journalist and say, hey, we believe that so-and-so was either very wrong with what they said or the facts that you had are incorrect. It's 10 times worse than that or it's 10 times better than that. Mm. you hijack. Look for those opportunities to hijack current affair trend. I love that. Uh, and I think it's a great reminder for us. And I love the way that you've said, keep it simple, identify a few key journalists that you want to develop a relationship with. So tracking and monitoring what's going on, what are they talking about? What are they sharing? What articles have they just publicized? You can then, if you check on that daily or you know, a couple of times a day, you might then, as you said, be able to get insert yourself in there in a very strategic way and continue to add value to the journalist as part of that story by giving a different angle on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I should say as well, these six tips, they're not sort of sequential steps that you must do all of them in order. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly having done the audience audit and then starting to work out your your story idea and picking up the phone and selling to the journalist. Absolutely. The next tip though would be by now you should have already started to build your own custom media list. Now there are services out there that either can provide that for you. They can distribute your content, your articles, your media releases for you. Of course, bloggers as well are just the mainstream media today as well. Um, But if you're going to build a relationship, you probably don't want to be relying too often on 
what is effectively sort of an automated service where you're not there, your voice, your presence, your fingerprint is not immediately evident if you are using a media distribution service. Now, they have a huge role to play in your media and marketing mix. I want to say that from the outset. But you still want to find those journalists, two or three, just four or five, not 500 or 600, just four or five over time across a couple of different uh, verticals or platforms, broadcasts, digital, online, print, radio, whatever it might be, and be working that list. Mm. That's your little black book, basically. And you could end up having a couple of hundred in there. You could have a couple of thousand in there. The thing is, you won't necessarily, your next and all future media releases or posts or pieces of content or case studies, whatever you're wanting to share with them and get published, mm-hmm. you won't be sending it all to all of them all the time. Yeah. And I think also, too, you're talking about, you know, finding anywhere between four or five key journalists that you know do speak to your market and and to your ideal clients and and stakeholders. I think with today's technologies, we can really find their contact details quite easily. For instance, you were talking about that success story with you and your client. You were tracking them on Twitter. And so, therefore, that's a great way to reach out to them. So, I would imagine it's kind of where do they show up? Find their contact details so that you can be there immediately with additional information here's another you know piece to add to that that we can communicate with them uh, directly yes because I know why I say that is so many of the people that I associate with around media they go well I don't have their contact details but that really is no excuse in this day and age yes Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. So first of all, if you know there's a a particular masthead or a broadcast outlet and or a journalist by name, even if you don't have their contact details, you know it's the age or the Washington Post or the whatever it may be, so pick up the phone. You can surely get the phone number for the Washington Post or the LA Times or the San Francisco Bugle or more locally the age. Just call up and say you'd like to speak to the health editor the Freedom of Information Editor, whoever it might be, they'll have a name because their byline will appear in the paper. It could take a couple of goes. You may have to leave a couple of messages, but if you are consistent or persistent or both with that, then you will eventually get through. And then from there, it's saying, hey, want to grab a coffee? Uh, Mm. My shout, take something along with them. Some of them will say they don't have time just to grab a lazy coffee. Fine, who does? But say that you'd like to just sort of send a couple of things their way and perhaps expand on it. When you do catch up for a coffee, meet and greet is a good strategy for just getting this ball rolling or just nudging it along once you've gotten the first step or two done. I may as well just say as well, back to the audience audit, you can also work out who in the media you need to be sort of talking to and then ultimately hopefully going through by going back to that audience, that stakeholder map, the matrix, look at who you're looking to ultimately reach, asking the questions, what media does that stakeholder consume? Mm. Um, where do they hang out? If it's not Twitter or they don't read the Age newspaper or the Sydney Morning Herald or Seattle Intelligencer, are they very big and very proactive and very visible in their industry association, which may have its own proprietary media channel, which is a highly targeted, very relevant gold media publication or media channel. And that could also be a channel to be getting published or broadcast through. And so that's another way to also identify some of those journalists or writers. Then thinking about networking principle 101, you don't know who they know. Mm-hmm. It may just be that, you know, journalist A says, well, it's not really my space anymore or I don't do that so much, but you do, you should speak to, and I will help you. I'll flick on your media release or whatever to contact number two or three or four. So it's just back to being human and maintaining <laughs> that human presence, yours, uh, respecting and recognizing that they're human soon. They just have a job like everyone else. And it's just about engagement with the right 
material with the right content, the right conversation at the right time. Terrific. Great reminder. So, Simon, what is tip number five? Tip number five, hands up who has Googled themselves or their business name in a while. (laughs) Yeah, quite a few of you in the room, I'm sure. Get your digital footprint in shape, certainly. Now, that's not to say, again, you've got to scrap everything today in the next two months, clear the decks before Christmas and just go, right, I've just got to get all my digital breadcrumbs, my digital profiles in tip-top shape. Again, it's an evolutionary process this day and age. I mean, before long, Google will probably come out with another algorithm that may change something Mm -hmm. over here or you know, a new uh, app or networking tool or something that you should be on and you should be on because your market is there. And that's the other thing to consider as well. You may love Twitter. You may love LinkedIn. Fantastic. I'd encourage you to get on there and work it. But always keep in mind that there are two questions when asking which social media platform or which channel to go on. Which do you like and read? But where is your customer? Where is your stakeholder? What do they read? Because that's where you'll meet them as well. Mm-hmm. But you really need to do get your, uh, as I say, digital footprint in shape. Less is more. Again, don't think or don't try to be on Instagram and Pinterest and a subscriber to your three or four of your local newspapers online, plus LinkedIn, plus Twitter, plus Facebook, plus 20 different Facebook groups. You won't have the time. Mm. You need to cherry pick it. But once you develop the habits with just one or two of those channels, one or two of those platforms, start to develop a few habits. You can build on that. You can. You know, I have to agree with you how important this is. There's been a couple of people that have approached me and asked to be on the show or even a sponsor of the show. So when I Googled them to find out a little bit more information, the words fraud and you know, questionable images do not want to be the first thing that people find when they Google your name. So please be wary. And obviously there was a quick, no, I'm sorry, not interested. That went back to those people. So that I can certainly say that that's valid. What's tip number six? Uh, Well, once you've got those digital domains, the digital platforms and profiles as schmick as possible, you should be directing journalists to those digital domains. We talk about and owned media. So there's paid, owned, earned, and today shared uh, media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so paid quite simply advertising or that sort of high monetized marketing activity, sponsoring a company or an event or an organization or something. Owned, they're your digital assets. It's your website. It's your social media channels and accounts. It's your blog. It's your podcast. It's your YouTube channel. So you own those. You can publish whatever you want anytime. Mm-hmm. If you've got your content there, the right content, and you can direct the right journalist at the right time to the right page or the right video or the right podcast episode, whatever, that's helpful for them because it will provide them with additional context and content, which will help them get you into their newspaper or onto their channel. So I can't under, underscore the importance of this as well. It's a golden opportunity. They will come looking for you. The media are still today looking for experts in your industry and your industry and your industry as well. They do want to know. And we're all experts, as much as I hate the word expert, but there's being an expert in your industry and there's being a recognized expert in your industry that the journos do latch onto, that they do have on speed dial, that they do know will be good for some sort of comment or input. Mm -hmm. Key, very key. All right, so those are the six tips and I believe you're also going to share one skill that we need to succeed in doing media to build business credibility in the marketplace and I guess that really underpins also and strengthens what you've just shared today too. Very much so and as boring and as perhaps as cringeworthy as it may sound, the skill is quite simply planning. It's a difficult skill to master for a lot of people. I'll put my hand up and say that I still have probably gaps in some of my different business or marketing plans that I probably should address somewhere. 
I'm fallible. I'm human. Mm, me too. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we all are, and that you know that's fine. That's forgivable. It's not about today. It's not about being perfect and having the most perfect image. But it is about being authentic. And so, you know, we don't all have the time in the world. We shouldn't pretend that we can just have the, the, the best, most watertight 100% marketing plan or business plan. I'm not saying don't bother planning. You must plan the work, but then you must also work the plan. What do they say? Failing to plan is planning to fail or something like that. I think also, um, Simon, with a plan, you also can ensure that you do remain focused. You've got that strategy and you know then that what you're doing is going to build. One thing's going to build on another. And once you've got those key foundations in place, it's just a matter of continuing to be committed to taking that action. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to be there for the long haul. Public relations traditionally and even today, it is still a long-term play. It's a, you've got to plan for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So have that plan. The plan will change. The plan will adapt. The plan will evolve with the times, with a new social tool that comes out, with a new journalist or journalists that come and go off, off their rounds. You know, so maybe you've spent three years building a relationship with the health editor or a medical reporter and he or she gets poached to become corporate affairs manager at some organization. And then you get this junior journalist who comes in Yes, you do have to start all over again. But if you've had a good relationship with that health editor, for example, they will reasonably look to pass on that relationship or at least see that relationship. They may say, look, I'm moving on in a couple of months. I'm going to head off to XYZ organization. But Johnny here, he's just been appointed a new health editor. I think he'd love your material. I think it's well worth you two coming for a coffee and um, you two having a chat because I know that you will have a lot of rich material for him to potentially use. Mm. So, you know, the things will change, but do plan for the long haul. Yeah. Um, I do talk about in my own public speaking and presentations with clients and publicly and privately, the ROI versus ROI in PR. That is the return on investment versus the return on influence. Mm-hmm. And you cannot, it's incredibly difficult to put, to put a single simple dollar figure on influence. A, because you have to allow time for it. But building influence and credibility is like building a crescendo of music. It's gradual and you're gradually increasing the volume and the visibility of what you're saying and where you are and how loud you're heard. And then also getting, ideally, if all this content is working, getting your supporters, your brand advocates, your customers, your family, friends, whoever it may be, amplifying your influence for you. So you're there for the long haul and you should plan to be there for the long haul, especially if you're planning being in business for the long haul as well. Mm-hmm. As you said, it should really just be part of that strategy. And once you have the steps in place and you've got all of those six key tips in place, then it's just a matter of being there consistently. Before we finish the show, and this has just been incredible, thank you so much for sharing uh, your wisdom with us. Before we leave, I know that journalists are really busy and I have over the years, you know, sent off a press release, followed up, left messages and so forth. And sometimes you just really don't hear a, or get a call back. Do you find with the technologies now and with Twitter and Facebook and all of those amazing pieces of technology that journalists tend to be more active and and able to be connected with on those platforms rather than phone or is it really just just depending on the story and, and what's happening at that time? bit of both, mm. somewhere in the middle, I'd say. You know, so if there are a lot of, uh, let's say, Gen Y journalists coming through the ranks now, they have grown up with social or at least an internet or a computer in their face for the most part. Yes. Maybe the phone is a little bit kind of, oh, we don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's still just about finding who they are, where they are, what they use, how best to connect with them. Ask the question, how would you like to be contacted? Yes. If you see them on Twitter more than they're returning your call, well, just keep tweeting them. If you are trying to reach out and reach out and reach out and they just don't respond... 
take that as a lead to say, you know what, this journalist either doesn't know, doesn't know enough, or perhaps isn't worth bothering with. Mm. But there will be others covering that story or that space or that issue that you're wanting to share your opinion or your idea or, or your product on. So go to the next journalist. This is why it pays to actually do just do one at a time. You can vet them as you go through. Now, if journalist number one is either too ignorant or just a little bit too busy or something, whatever his excuse, legitimately or otherwise, and then the net result is... He's on the phone saying, hang on, you've just given a story to my rival or why are they getting the coverage now? Why are you giving it to them? You've got the fallback position to say, I've been trying to get hold of you for the last six months. I've sent you some stuff. You never once returned my call. Yeah. You never once even returned my email. Not even a sort of a three, you know, thanks for that sent from my iPhone email. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're all on the go today. It doesn't take much to do that. And, you know, it's his loss. It's her loss. Um, but you, you know, there are plenty more fish in the sea. There are plenty more journalists out there. And, you know, it may be, and a lot of people who may be thinking or asking the question, well, the media is sort of, you know, shrinking at a rate of knots faster than dinosaurs. Well, yes, to some degree, there is a rationalization that's been going on for the last few years, probably some more to come. But the citizen journalists that we've heard about the last 10 years or more, citizen blogger, citizen PR journalists, most of those people are not necessarily going to commit to going into politics and covering stories. It is a lot more flighty for, you know, they're citizen journalists are happy to just sort of range across a bunch of stuff sure if they've got their iphone they see a car accident or something they'll take some pictures or video shoot it to the local bureau Mm -hmm. bbc newspaper outlet whatever but journalists point being journalists will be around there will still be a need for journalists yeah Uh, so that's a great encouragement there will always be an opportunity to use this critical channel and the other comment to make to that as well is that we all know or should know or should appreciate that newspapers and for the most part traditional mainstream media haven't broken news stories for a long time they're much less about news stories now and much more about opinion analysis Mm -hmm. trends insight commentary and really that's where your influence your expertise your subject matter expertise will really come in it won't be about you saying hey we've got a funky new shiny (laughs) app or a new product or a new blah de blah new widget but it is about society could improve xyz because they're doing this Adding value to the conversation, giving a different viewpoint, but uh, always adding value. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, relationships comes back to that, knowing who's who in the zoo, who's who, who you're talking to, but also who do you need to talk to as the first step to reach the true audience as well. Terrific. Simon, how can people get hold of you if they want to find out more information about you and your work? I'd love to hear from uh, anybody who would love to connect with me i'm on linkedin linkedin is my number one uh, favorite channel it's served me incredibly well over the last several years we're also on twitter so twitter.com slash simon mossman m-o-s-s-m-a-n and also twitter slash mossman media would love people to jump on to the website mossmanmedia.com m-o-s-s-m-a-n media.com and uh, just enter your details your enter your email to subscribe just to keep in the loop and of course, back on LinkedIn, we also do have a company page, which we're, we're frequently using now as well. And then there's the good old dog and bone. So for anybody who does uh, care to uh, get in touch, my, all the details are on the website. Terrific. And email simon at mossmanmedia.com. Love it. And of course, we'll put all of the contact details on our show notes, pop across ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES167. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Simon. There's such a wealth and depth of uh, information there that uh, people can really take and, and get into action. Thanks again for coming on the show. My pleasure, Anne-Marie. And thank you to your listeners for uh, tuning in. Now, if this is the first time that you are joining us, welcome. We know that you have just walked 
walked away with uh, some great information. Reach out, let us know. What action are you going to take today? Or maybe you've had a success story with uh, sending and, and reaching out to the PR, you know, and, and journalists. It's always good to hear other success stories as well. Please do get in contact with Simon. He's a wealth of knowledge there, as you've found. And of course, subscribe to our iTunes channel. We've got other great guests coming up in the coming weeks. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Do you want to promote your business to tens of thousands of other ambitious entrepreneurs, both nationally and internationally? I invite you to reach out and learn more about our customized sponsorship packages by emailing beasponsor at ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com. That's be a sponsor at ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com and we'll send you out further details. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.